0: Father, thank you so much for uh, this beautiful day uh, for our church body. Uh, We ask that your spirit would make your word come alive um, through Aaron uh, and just our time together. Lord, would you move? Would you convict hearts? Would you uh, comfort and restore people today through your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How you guys doing? Doing all right for a Sunday morning? January? Got some warm weather? <laughs> We've got one fan in the back. So we're going to jump into a new series, a new book of the Bible. Uh, we here at Church on the Rock, if you're new... Uh, We make our way through the storyline of Scripture, usually in about a time period of four years. And so we're actually in the middle of our third trek. No, third? Fourth! Our fourth trek uh, through the story of Scripture. Um, And we are jumping into uh, the book of Judges. Uh, One of my favorite uh, parenting moments... And by favorite, I definitely mean least favorite, um, <laughs> is that moment when, now all of my kids, of course, have matured past this, so I'm not indicting any of them currently when I tell you this. But it's the moment where a kid does something really outrageous and you correct it, something along the lines of, you're not supposed to stab holes in the sheetrock in your bedroom. And the response is, Did you tell us that before? (laughs) You know, come to think of it, I am not sure that I mentioned that specifically, along with a list of other things that you should not do that I may forget to mention. That's basically, that little microcosm is the whole book of Judges. (laughs) uh what we're going to do today and tomorrow um we're going to or tomorrow yeah come back tomorrow it'll be great uh today and next week um uh, i'm going to give uh, over two sundays i'm going to give kind of an introduction kind of a background to the book of judges uh and then what's going to happen is that that background is going to inform our study through the stories uh, of the judges um The stories in the book of Judges are crazy um, and all varied, and yet what the stories are intended to do is highlight uh, these sort of broader themes of what's happening with God's people. The people have moved into the land that God has promised them and have grown comfortable very quickly. And now are living essentially uh, whatever way they want to. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give you one key verse for the book of Judges, and then we're going to unpack it in detail. Do you guys like corn dogs? Who here likes? Who who can admit that you just really appreciate a good corn dog? Thank you, Henry. <laughs> if you are a corn fan, you know that the best part of corn dog. Is the little crunchy part on the stick after the corn dog's gone, right? Yeah? Hallelujah. You gotta nibble it off. It's so flavorful and crunchy. You're eating the meat of the corn dog, and you know that that little delectable morsel is gonna be at the end. That is really the approach I wanna take this morning, although this might be weird. Uh, in, in, in looking at the word of God is there's like the meat of it. But then there's sometimes where we just got to like focus down on the little tiny details and enjoy a very small morsel, very carefully and patiently. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So let me read you our verse. This is our whole passage for this morning. Judge 17, six. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. This is a statement made in the book of Judges that is actually intended to be a cultural assessment. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. So this is what I want to do. Um, To to clarify ahead of time, before we jump into this, this is actually not a positive assessment. This is a negative assessment. Uh, It's an indictment on the culture and so what I wanna do is I'm gonna, I wanna focus in on four key sort of observations about this statement. And then I wanna, I wanna provide you an assessment to evaluate your own life and whether you would fall into this description to some extent as one of, those, as one of the everybody who does what's right in his own eyes. So I'm gonna move fairly quickly because we're gonna save some time at the end um, for uh, the chosen. So. So here we go, first keyword, word, every. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. This was a phenomena of the majority. This dynamic was the mode of operation for anyone and everyone. It was the cultural norm. This is not a handful of people living this way. Everybody was living this way. Second keyword, word, oh, that was close. Thank you. Second key word, did. Everyone did. This is actually not an indictment um, about a lack of conviction or a disconnect between conviction and action. That's not, that's not the correction. He's not saying that everyone believed certain things but didn't live accordingly. No, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, meaning that people lived lives of conviction uh, meaning that the activities of their lives, the decisions of the, their lives, reflected their uh, personally held belief system, putting action to belief. People were living by a certain ideology or a philosophy. Everyone did what was right. Third key word, right. Everyone did what was right. Right. Not some people tried to do what was right and everyone else said, I don't care, I'll do what's wrong. No, everyone was doing what they believed was right. It is part of the human condition that um, has been a mystery to philosophers for, for millennia. And that is, What is it about the way that we're made, even if you take God out of the equation, what is it about the way that we're made that we possess such an inner uh, compulsion to justify our own lives, to, to explain the decisions of our lives as being right? Why do we care whether it's right or wrong? the author of Judges is saying, is that everyone cared and everyone did what was right. People in this day carried some sense of moral imperative to explain their lifestyles as being good or okay or right. The last one this is where we run into our problem the fourth key word own every man did what was right in his own eyes meaning that the establishment of what is good what is right and what is best is determined from an isolated perspective of self I determine. I will live according to what I decide is right. And what's implied here is a cultural phenomena of I alone can know how to do that. Only I can know how I should live. And so I will listen to myself in making a determination about what is right for my life. Now I wish that in some way this was relevant for today, but just try to think abstractly with me. This is not just a supreme confidence in self, it is a supreme confidence in self that is in some way detached from the world and from others and ultimately from God. It is a moral and ideological vacuum and the vacuum is the individual. I live my life according to what I think is right. There are several versions of this quote, but I've appreciated it for many years. Everyone is crazy except you and me. And I'm not so sure about you. Truth as relative is not a new phenomena. This was a time, the book of Judges, is a time when everyone was building their own sense of truth. And when we say that truth is relative to the individual, what we're saying is that the individual is the ultimate arbiter of truth. I am my own authority. difference here when it comes to faith is that for the person of true faith, faith is the house in which we build our lives. That's genuine faith. The alternative what he's describing is faith is a piece of furniture that I'm fond of and don't want to get rid of and so I've incorporated into the decor of my house. This is a huge difference. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. In summary, my own paraphrase, everyone lived with a self-established conviction of being right and everything was awful. I mean, come on. Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? So how did we arrive here? What we're going to see in Judges, as we go through the stories, you'll see this played out again and again. This is how we arrived here. The world became too dangerous. Now there's a reason it had become dangerous for them, and it was because they had given up on obedience. They had long neglected walking in obedience to the commands of God. And as a result, the world had become dangerous. When the world becomes a dangerous place, our reactions become instinctual, meaning our reactions to the world. Our instinctual reactions, you've heard this before, fight, flight, or freeze. As the world seems more unsafe, we are more prone to retract into ourselves, to become isolated, with a focus on our own survival, our own safety, our own security. This is a phenomena that is as human as human is. It is a phenomena, but only something supernatural only a truly supernatural transformation can free us from. So, every man did what was right in his own eyes. How do we know, how do you know, how do I know if I fall into that? We could take a simple poll and I think there would be a lot of agreement. How many of you are currently doing at least to the best of your ability, for the most part, what you believe to be right. But this isn't a commendation, this is an indictment. So how do I know if I'm lumped into this assessment? Because I would say I tried to bring some sense of moral conviction to my life and to live according to what I believe to be right. I mean, it's going so-so at times, but that's at least my trajectory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three questions for your own self-assessment. Three questions. And just for um, the sake of reference, let's apply these questions to some really easy, like non-controversial topics. Let's go with pandemics, politics, sexuality, money, <laughs> technology, and religion, <laughs> just for, like, for example's sake, okay? We'll deal with the difficult ones uh, like a different Sunday. Three questions for self-assessment. And these are not, this is not, this is pretty like straightforward, basic stuff. And yet it's, it's, these are the ones I have to go back to again and again. Number one, do I actively engage the word of God as an authority for life? And what I mean by actively engage, what I mean is do i take can you go back to those topics real quick emily do i take my my convictions my thoughts and my questions about these topics is my is my first response to go to the word of god as an authority meaning that The Word of God is over my life, and so then it must be over my thoughts and beliefs on these subjects. And so I place myself under the Word of God while seeking to understand what the Word of God has to say about these things. Do I actively engage the Word of God as an authority for life? Proverbs 16, 2 All the ways of a person are clean in his own sight but the Lord examines the heart. You realize you can be wrong and well-intended. You can be incorrect with conviction. All the ways of a person are clean in his own sight. But the Lord is interested in the condition of your heart. This entails bringing your biggest questions to the word of God again and again and again. Because your highest desire is actually not intellectual certainty. But your highest desire is to know God who made all things and to understand his purpose in everything that he's made. 2 Peter 1, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, for his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everything that you need for life and godliness for those that are building their lives inside of the house of faith. For you, everything that you need for life and godliness can be found through the true knowledge of God. Do I actively engage the word of God as an authority for life? Don't be discouraged in that. It is a challenge. Don't be discouraged. It's a challenge worth engaging. Number two, Second question, do I consistently contemplate my own life? You have to pair this with the first one. I'm not saying, do I consistently think a lot about things? How many of you feel like maybe I think a little too much about things? Yeah, That's not what I'm talking about having engaged the word of God and the spirit of God as an authority for life do I in the presence of God before God present my life to God to contemplate my life that requires uh, a discipline in, in shutting off interrupting uh, influences, getting away uh, to a place that is quiet and still, which is a skill that's becoming uh, rapidly absent today. We are inundated from the moment that our eyes open until they're closed. Do I consistently contemplate my own life before God? Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. You hear this theme over and over in Scripture. It's not saying there's a way that, you know, he knew was wrong and it killed him. No, there's a way that seems correct. And it's not. It's going to destroy things that matter to you. And this is not an attempt to make you afraid the invitation is, do you bring the way before God, creating a space of quiet reflection and fellowship with the spirit of God to consider your life? Now, now hear me out. If you have religious tendencies, you will go immediately to either shame or a focus on what do I have to do? What do I have to perform? What do I have to get right? What I'm talking about is a relational connection where we say, hey, God, can we just talk together? I want to understand your heart, your ways, and I want to give you an opportunity to speak to me about mine. Psalms 139, this is described so beautifully. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So number one, do I actively engage the word of God as an authority for life? And number two, do I consistently contemplate my own life? And here's the deal. If you don't make it to number three, you will have massive gaps in your understanding where you are still self-deceived. Here's number three. Do I consistently open my life and ideas to a diverse audience? I'm being honest. One of the most uh, powerful criteria that influences me without even being aware of it, in what things I will bring up with a certain person, is what I is what I already know they already think about it. Do I consistently open my life and ideas to a diverse audience? Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a person who listens to advice is wise. A person who listens to advice To listen to advice is a a complex and delicate process of actually seeking out disagreement, humbly engaging with uh, a contrary viewpoint with the goal of learning something new. That's what it means to seek advice. Talk to a person that you think might not agree with you. Humbly present an idea and receive. It's this is quote from none other than Charles Darwin. I'll let you wrestle with that. Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. When we're in survival mode, We don't seek diversity of viewpoints. We become more invested in safety and security. We react to the world around us. We react to the chaos that is the world in, again, in our instinctual mode, in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Hey, speaking of, I'm doing a three-week Tuesday training starting this Tuesday on managing conflict. That sounds like fun, right? So if you want to learn how to fight better, uh, why don't you commit to three Tuesdays and I will teach you how to win. Uh, how to lose friends and alienate people. <laughs> three Tuesdays, 6.30 at The Rock. It's gonna be actually a fairly hands-on class. We'll deal with some like real life examples and talk through Uh, what the scriptures have to say about how we handle our differences. I was reading an article. Actually, I'll try to email you this link because it's a lengthy article with some really great stuff that I know a handful of you would really enjoy uh, from the Gospel Coalition. But this is an excerpt. In 2020, the average American traded, traded, 300 hours of in-person time with friends, church members, and neighbors for 300 hours of social media, TV, and internet reading. Let me read that again. In 2020, the average American traded 300 hours of in-person time with friends, church members, and neighbors for 300 hours of social media, TV, and internet reading. No wonder 2021 turned out the way it did, and 2022 promises more of the same. And again, this is, I'm, I'm still reading the quote again, this comes after the US Surgeon General called loneliness our great epidemic in 2017. In 2017, the US. Surgeon General said that loneliness was the great epidemic. And last year we traded 300 hours, on average 300 hours of human interaction with 300 hours of screen time. Do I consistently open my life and ideas to a diverse audience for the sake of discovery, for the sake of engagement, for the sake of growth, even when it might not be safe to do so. The alternative is every man does what is right in his own eyes. Ecclesiastes 4.13. A poor yet wise youth is better than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. How did he become foolish? His power, his money provided a sense of safety and security that led him to this conclusion, no one gets to speak into my life anymore. King Solomon says a young man a teenager with nothing yet receptive and open is better than a rich and powerful ruler who no longer knows how to receive instruction. In a time of cultural decline everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and invite you guys up. Why does this matter? The outcome of the gospel on our lives is that we live in a way that is contrary to the way the world lives. No one will blame you for responding to the chaos in the world around you by retracting and isolating and folding into yourself for your own survival. No one will hold it against you. But in a world where that's the norm, the light of the gospel is not only so much more necessary, it is so much more powerful. But it is only seen by the world When motivated by the love of the gospel, we live in a contrary way, exposing ourselves to potential dangers, but doing so motivated by the love of God for a broken world, motivated by the compassion that Jesus carried for the masses. And if I'm being completely honest with you, and maybe you'll agree, but that dynamic of everyone doing what is right in their own eyes, <laughs> so exhausting. It's annoying. How many of you are sick of it? But we are no less vulnerable And when faith is a pretty piece of furniture that we've added to the decor of our lives, we can convince ourselves that we are very noble in the way that we live, and yet be completely cut off from the plans and purposes of God. I'm gonna end with this passage one some of you will be familiar, familiar with. First Corinthians 13, one, if I speak with tongues of mankind and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Ames, can you hear me? Can you just like ridiculously bang on a cymbal? No, like really loud. That's what some of you sound like. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, the love that can only come... When our own lives are opened up and transformed by the love of God, if I'm missing that piece, I can be correct on every other front and completely sold on the idea that I am doing right in my own eyes. And Paul doesn't say, you're close. Paul doesn't say, you're almost there. Paul says, you have nothing. You're adding to the noise. My invitation to you, and I think the invitation of this study as we go through the book of Judges, is not a dishonest assessment of the world we live in. It's not wishful thinking. No, it's crazy. And some of you have encountered that in different ways that that have... been traumatizing for you. It's in the face of that, when it seems obvious that if I stand for what is what is true, what is, what is righteous, what is loving, I might get crucified. That you, full of the love of Jesus, would open yourself up to the world. That's why it matters. Do not retract, do not hide. Do not close in on yourself, but open your life to the move of God. How? Engage the Word of God as an authority for life. Contemplate your own life before him, make space to do that. And then open your life to the people around you, regardless of perceived differences and learn, show compassion, increase your understanding, and allow God to move through you. God, would you give us this grace? We don't want to miss out on the incredible opportunity to be your hands and feet today, this week. Find our confidence in being able to point out the world's issues. May we find our confidence. We align ourselves with your heart, your heart for the lost, for the broken. May we be people who do consistently what is right in your eyes as we are changed by you. In Jesus' name, would you stand? We're going to worship. Uh, If you want to take communion during our time of worship, you're welcome to do so. You can also give uh, as part of your worship. But Let's come before the Lord and engage with him.
1: I want to give you guys the invitation um, to take a minute, as Aaron was sharing, I was just, I don't know, uh, just asking the Lord, uh, you know, it's easy for me to, I don't know if you have this, you hear something and you think, wow, that's really good, and then you kind of just move right past it, right? So I want to give you that invitation to take that minute and and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're speaking through this morning? What are you speaking uh, through scripture? Just want to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you speak. We thank you, as I have many times this morning already, that you are alive and that you're moving. And Lord, we acknowledge that we're in a broken world that needs you. So we say, Yes. Would you guide us and lead us from here today? Whether that's talking with your spouse or a friend or taking some time to pray. Um, we'll have the sermon up uh, tomorrow if you want to go back and listen or look through uh, those verses. Um, don't let the moment pass. Take, take the moment. So I have a few exciting things we're gonna do. First thing I'd love to do is we had a bunch of volunteers that hopped in last week and this week to make the whole chosen event work with World Vision. We had um, WAPA here last week, as you know. We also had Chuck and his wife that flew up that spent last weekend the whole week and this weekend just to pull this all off. He's kind of head of uh, getting all the photos taken and everything, so would you guys give it up for Chuck, his wife, and all the volunteers? We've got a whole team. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. You guys can also go ahead and uh, come on up, uh, volunteers. You guys can start moving stuff around. Um, I want to say um, for you guys, if you um, got your picture taken last week, you have an envelope up here. So I want to give just a few instructions before we dismiss so you know what to do, okay? So we have, if your last name, A through M is over here. The last M name is McClinn, And then the rest of the M's start over here all the way through Z. Um, So you come up. What you're going to do is you're going to go get your kids from uh, Kids Church, if they're there. You can bring them back in here. We have more coffee. We also have muffins and some other treats. You can grab some treats. And I want to give the invitation for you to have a moment with your family here. Both your actual family that committed to sponsor a child, and now you've been chosen, but also the family as a church. we get got to have this moment together of celebrating this community we get got to be a part of and this life we got to be a part of. So I want to encourage you. We ended a little early to give you some time to be able to do that. Um, if your whole family's not here, you, of course, can take the envelope. You can leave it sealed if you want and bring it home so you can do that later when you're all together. Um, so... If you signed up last week and had your photo taken, there is an envelope here for you if that was uh, done on Sunday. Um, If you did not and you're feeling left out, um, you have time. And I don't want to pressure you, but if you miss the moment today, that's it. So if you want to be a part of this community, this village, um, that we get to uh, empower, we get to be a part of their story. Um, get your photo taken today. We'll have um, That'll be open for about a half hour. Um, and you can get in line. Um, can we put that slide up as well? So if you have not signed up and you want to sign your family up, this will start the process. So you can pull out your phone, you text ROCK to this number, um, and it'll walk you through the steps for setting all of that up. Um, and then after that you'll go out to get your, your picture taken. Um, and I think I probably have one more thing. Yeah, so tonight also there's house church. Um, I think there's uh, one or two house churches that are starting this Sunday as well. Some new ones. Um, Touch base with your leaders if you haven't. Um, Also, if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, come talk to me. I have something for you. Um, And I want to say, we don't end officially till 1230. So hang around, take your moment with your family, say hi to some people and have a good time. Love you guys. God bless. Have a great week.